my name is Eric, and I welcome you to our Black Gay Diaspora podcast, where we, as LGBTQ plus citizens, come together to inspire and educate each other on who we are and our respective countries and professions. Through topics and guest interviews, our Black Gay Diaspora podcast celebrates individuals making a difference. Loving who we love is not a choice. Being who we're meant to be can be. We are here. You are welcome. We are community. For today's conversation, I am joined by Dr. Lulu, a pediatrician, and <laughs> I'm watching her enjoy. Oh, I'm really, really looking forward to this. <laughs> but Dr. Lulu is an award-winning LGBTQ plus and DEIB advocate who's also known as the momatrician. Part of Dr. Lulu's advocacy includes helping parents to accept, affirm, and support their LGBTQ children. Dr. Lulu is also a media consultant, event host, best-selling author, and three-time TEDx speaker. Her literary works include the books, How to Raise Well-Rounded Children, How to Teach Your Children About Racism, and the recent Dr. Lulu's Self-Love Journal. She's also been featured in publications on entrepreneur.com, Black Parent Magazine, and the Washington Post. What I like and what I'm discovering now as we're starting this process, it's in her posts and videos, Dr. Lulu's intelligence is encased in an infectiously insightful and positive energy. And I look forward to finding out more about her works and what motivates her to fight the good fight of love and prosperity for herself and for others. Welcome, Dr. Lulu. Welcome to you too. Thank you so much, Eric, with a CK. I love it. You did forget that I got interviewed by my Auntie Oprah. I'm so sorry. Sorry to Oprah and to you. <laughs> I'm gonna let you go. And I called her Auntie Oprah and she got a chuckle out of that. So I was like, yes, Auntie Oprah, she got a chuckle. So yes. But I'm so excited to be here, Eric. I'm telling you, I was just like, I need to be on his podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate you for reaching out. I was really excited. And especially as I read a little bit more about you, just and what you do, you're doing the good fight and doing it in a way that is attractive, your energy that you exude. So thank you. Of course, I'm American. I'm here in the UK, but you're in the US. And where are you based? San Antonio, Texas. So I call it North Mexico because we're like two hours from the border. We're basically in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. I like to say I'm an overall agitator of the governor of Texas. Do you know about the governor of Texas? He's extremely anti-everything LGBT. He's trying to copy his cousin in the state of Florida. So some of us want to do something about it. Yeah, I saw him in interviews. I was in Maryland late spring visiting family. And when the whole thing happened with the children at the school. And I was like, wow, he's a piece of work. Yes, he is a piece of work. I want to start off with the present and say congratulations on your new book. I saw your video where you did the unveiling. <laughs> yes. Yes. Beautiful cover. Thank you so much. They are my brand colors. Yes. Dr. Lulu's self-love journal. Yes. Actually, it's an ode to my journey. You know what they say? You help the person you have always been to become the person you currently are. So I have been this person that's been fighting with self-love and self-acceptance. It's really self-acceptance more than self-love, but I know you cannot have self-acceptance without self-love. 
So I wanted to go deep and just do the self-love. So today I would, on the first page, I'm so proud of myself. I basically went with, you know, today I love myself because trying to get me to see the reasons why I love myself. Mm. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be a little thing. But we have as a society, as a community, as a people, just moved away from that. It's impossible, as you know, to love anybody to any degree if you don't equally love yourself or really more love yourself so that from the abundance of your love, you can now give to others. And so I want to bring us back to the fundamental self-love when we were young and when we were innocent and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed until our parents started saying, shut up, don't say that, be quiet, go inside, don't act that way. And we started wearing little, little masks and eventually we don't even recognize ourselves in the mirror. Hmm. I struggle with looking at myself in the mirror and just like liking who I see. If I struggle with this, as vocal as I am, there must be other people who are struggling with this. Yeah. So, well, let's just get a journal while we can and live by example. And so that's what I'm doing. Thank you for that. In the work that you do and your accomplishments, you being open about that part of your journey, I think it's helpful for me because, you know, with me coming up in this new venture that I've been doing, I had the perception that people that have your success and have your platform, you're flawless. And you are flawless, but flawless means being human. And that's what I discussed with Auntie Oprah. We talked about imposter syndrome. She was like, Dr. Lulu, a physician who is vacationing in Greece, what is this about imposter syndrome? How come? And I was like, Auntie Oprah, hello. I'm a Black immigrant with a Nigerian accent physician, mom, and all that, I exemplify imposter syndrome because my whole life, nobody encouraged me to speak. The reason I became an author or the reason I'm a speaker more so is when I was young, I would not stop talking in class. And my teacher could not understand how this girl that does all this all the time, how is she getting all these good grades? And so she came up with this brilliant idea to silence me by sending me to the library. And then I discovered books. And now, you know, you can't stop me now because not only am I a seven-time author, I also am a speaker. To say that what's in you can never be squashed by the external energy. I have to say, yes, I want my voice silenced. Look at Malala. She was shot in the head, presumed dead. And she got back and she was like, you know what? Don't stop talking <laughs> and don't stop believing. Don't stop dreaming. Even if everybody tells you to, it doesn't mean you don't struggle as you go. Right. The definition of courage is fear plus positive, effective action. That's the definition of courage. So bring it. What I feel is don't allow that light to be extinguished. Mm. Yeah. It gets harder as you get older because you're jaded already. And then the outside world is like, you're really going to do that? When I said I was going to quit medicine, everybody told me, including my own kids, like, mom, you're already a doctor. What is a coach? Mm -hmm. What is that? But when you've been given a message, the message was given to you for a reason. I jokingly say, I tell people, I said, oh, I'm moving to San Diego next year. And I am moving to San Diego. 
everyone's like, oh, it's a beautiful place. And I can just count three, two, one, boom. But it's expensive. I'm like, yes, but I didn't ask <laughs> you to move. I said, I'm moving. You have to be ready for them because I started doubting myself. I was like, oh my God, how expensive is it? Maybe I shouldn't move. Am I losing my mind? So that's the power of you allowing people to come and have their voices rent space in your head. No, we cannot allow that. The message was given to you to deliver. One of the examples I give is every single object in your house was somebody's idea. They did not think themselves out of it. So why should you? And you're the head of the game. And not, I don't think, in a way of looking for the negativity, but saying, how can I arm myself? And the way to do that is when you heard it enough. One of the things that they talk about is they say, if people ask you the same question over and over again, you should start teaching that topic. Many people ask me, how come you're accepting your child? You're a Christian. How come you're accepting your child? You're a Catholic. How come you're accepting your child? You're Nigerian. I'm going to accept my child, not because it's easy, but because it's doable. Mm. They now switch it to look like, well, yeah, of course they're suicidal because there's something wrong with them. But the truth is the transgender child, gender diverse child is not inherently suicidal. They become suicidal because of the environment and what people are saying about them, to them, against them. Just imagine a five-year-old who lives in Texas, a state where your parents could literally be arrested for being affirming. Mm. How is that five-year-old supposed to process that information? You can't play sports. We have to check your underwear. Oh, my gosh. In the state of Utah, they will check your underwear to see if you're a trans before you can play sports. We got work to do, honey. Oof. Where can we find that book and your other publications? All my books I have on Amazon.com, what they call Author Central. So all my books are on my author page. Mm -hmm. But I really prefer for people to contact me to get the books. And what we're trying to do now is get a book page on my website where they can come and order the books. And then I can ship it to them autographed. A lot of people do not understand the fact that, you know, as an author, unless you're Michelle Obama or Barack Obama that gets at an $100,000 advance on your book, this journal, I make 75 whole cents every time you purchase one from Amazon. Okay. And it's a $31 journal. They wouldn't sell it for less. So I prefer what we call an author's price which is a little less, so I can maybe make five bucks. I'll make sure to share that, making sure that it's purchased through you. Actually, more important than the books, I mean, maybe not more important, but also on the same level is stuff like my online course. And I have a brand new book coming out called How to Become the Parent Your LGBT Plus Child Needs, which is really my flagship book. I have an online course called Becoming the Parent Your LGBTQ Child Needs. I have a parent coaching, group coaching program that I really want parents to know about. Mm -hmm. We are small, but we're growing and we're united in just fiercely loving and supporting our kids because somebody has to do it. I think 2020, there was a study that was done on a diverse group of young transgender women. And they found that maternal support was the key 
are one of the key factors that protects against suicidal behavior. Mm-hmm. This study was published in 2020, I think, in the NIH, the National Institute of Health. This is so powerful to know because you don't know what you don't know until you know it, then you cannot unknow it. Mm-hmm. So I'm so excited to help parents, especially Black parents. We struggle with so much shame and guilt and feeling like we did something wrong or somebody did something wrong for our kid to be who they are. And I just want to kind of shift that mindset. You didn't do anything wrong. You can still love your child and be a Christian. You Mm. can still love your child and keep your morals and values. When I say that, I feel like it's not immoral being gay. It's not. We're learning and you're teaching. So we appreciate that. I appreciate that. You mentioned that you're an immigrant. I know you're a Nigerian background, but where are you from in Nigeria? So I am Igbo. I'm the same place as Uche that was on your podcast. Oh, Abba. Yes, Uche Chuku. As a matter of fact, I heard his interview on your podcast and I was like, I'm going to get on that podcast too. If Uche can do it, I can do it too. As a matter of fact, my name is also Uche. So we're friends based on that. We're namesakes. Ah, okay. okay. Do you know him? I haven't met him in person, but he reached out to me on LinkedIn as a gay, Black, African, Nigerian, Igbo guy. He just kind of reached out to me and said, oh, I see the work that you're doing. Thank you so much kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've been looking for another Nigerian, Igbo, Black, gay, queer, which is what they like to use in Nigeria. They like to use queer. And then he's down the road in Houston. So I'm like, what? So the plan is to meet up soon. Oh, wow. Just to have lunch. Oh, I would love to be there because his energy, I really zoned in on and the same just with you. So it's great to hear those connections. Uche means wisdom. Wisdom, okay. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you're retired from medicine. When did you retire? I retired last July. On my 30th birthday as a physician, I retired on the 5th of July, 2021, I graduated on the 5th of July, 1991. So that was my 30th birthday as a physician. And my plan had been to retire this whole time, you know, when I turned 30. And while I did retire and my stethoscope is hanging right there on the wall, I still do some medicine part-time, but I'm trying to move away from that and get into entrepreneurship 100% of the time. I'm excited about it. It's not without its challenges. That's all I've known for 30 years. It's a long time to be doing one thing and then to just leave it. While they are similar in the sense that as a physician, you're a consultant. People come to you and tell you their symptoms. You check them out, take it two times a day and feel better. Mm -hmm. With coaching, we're still needing to listen to our clients and not patients, but coaching works on what you want, where you want to go, what you're trying to do. And that's why I work with parents who want to accept their kids, who want to affirm their kids, who are struggling with the how. My job is to guide you, hold space for you and hold belief for you that you can do this. But I'm also a general life coach. And I found in coaching that the way you do one thing is usually the way you do everything. I'm a master procrastinator. 
my story that I tell myself is, oh, it's technology. I can't do it. But that's a lie. I'm on technology right now. So it's based on the sentences that we tell ourselves that we start believing. So my whole premise of coaching the parents is about what I call the U squared method. My first name is Uchenna. My last name is Ume. So I used to go by U squared when I was in high school. But now this U squared method is on learning the untruths about the queer community. That's where the meat is. A lot of these myths, mistakes, and misconceptions, they're not true. We believe them, and then it becomes our own truth to the detriment of the community. My job is usually to ask parents, tell me all the stuff you've ever thought or known about the queer community, and I can usually punch a hole in every last one of them. So I'm thankful that I'm bisexual even though I prefer the word queer. And I'm thankful that my dad told me, he thought it was a phase when I told him about it. Oh, you're going to grow out of it. So that's one of the number one mistakes that parents make. The second mistake that parents make is they think it's a choice. It's a lifestyle is what they call it. This is your lifestyle. A lifestyle is maybe having short hair or having a perm, liking to wear high heels or liking to drink and smoke. You are actually born this way. The Third, and maybe even most powerful mistake is the parents make it about them. What will my friends say? What will my church members say? What will my parents say? I have been guilty of all three. And so I tell people that smart people learn from their mistakes, but smarter people learn from other people's mistakes. I teach a class called top three mistakes parents make when their kids come out. It's on Eventbrite. If anybody wants to sign up, it's every Friday at 1 p.m. Central. I teach the class. As you were speaking, I'm like, oh gosh, all of us could have used that. And definitely now, it's never too late to be the one that guides the parents into saying, here are the tools, use them. What's your educational background? I went to med school. I went to elementary school, high school. I was in debate club, which is like, yeah, you were meant to talk. I wanted to become an attorney. Mm -hmm. Then I wanted to become an architect. And then I ended up becoming a physician on a dare. Dad was like, you should become a pharmacist. I was like, no, I don't want to be a pharmacist. I want to be a doctor. He was like, why do you want to be a doctor? I said, because. I mean, why do I want to be a pharmacist? He said, well, let's see. I said, well, let's see. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to go to med school. So I went to medical school and I graduated from medical school in 91. While I was in medical school, I really wanted to become a pediatrician from the jump. I love kids. And of course, explaining to the parents what's going on with the kids and just having that patience of the six-month-old who is not verbal and you have to examine them and figure out what's going on with them. So I've worked with parents and kids for such a long time. It was a natural progression for me to coach parents of LGBT kids because I realized, well, my kid. Mm. And then there are other children. For the sake of those children, I put my face out there. A lot of times you're afraid. You don't want to fail. You don't want people to ridicule you. And, oh, there she comes again kind of thing. Mm. But there's a child out there that is praying for their parents to come into my orbit. And for that one child, I'm going to keep going. I was on the phone this afternoon with a friend of mine in Sweden, and they have an 18-month-old. Mm. And she was just sharing about not being able to be verbal fully with the doctor. 
to hear it from the other side. It's like, ah, I heard the parent earlier. Now I'm hearing the professional. The very first day I graduated from medical school, I didn't think I was a doctor. I was just a regular person yesterday. Now I'm a doctor. But then you put one foot forward. And before you know it, you're 30 years old and you're like this phenomenal physician. And that's one of the few drawbacks I have with coaching now, because it's like, I've done the doctor thing for so long, but I even became a grand doctor at one point. I had my own patients bringing their kids to me. So I was now their grand doctor. It was a great experience, a great run. The day I decided to leave medicine, I called my dad. If I have anything big, if I've told my dad, the rest of y'all, whatever. So I call my dad and I tell my dad, I said, so I'm thinking of retiring your name. And my dad said, hmm. There's no better time than now. You have definitely reached the pinnacle of your job. I mean, give me all these things. Mm -hmm. He said, you've come full circle. Anything you choose to do, you will definitely be good at it. Except if you, coming back to what we said at the beginning, think yourself out of it. Which is what I like to tell people when they look at toddlers. A toddler by nature, they have to believe that they can walk. They fall Seven times they get up eight. But when we become adults, we fall twice. We're like, oh, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I laugh from relating. It's better than. C'est la vérité. It's true. We fall once, like, oh my God, what are people going to say? But the worst case scenario has already happened when you fall. Yeah. That's the worst case scenario. Once it's happened, it's already happened. Check that box and let's keep, keep going. going. Keep yes, it moving. that's it. Yeah. I sense that you have a really great relationship with your dad. I read your piece about when you shared with him about your same-sex attractions. I sense there's a lot of respect and love that goes back and forth between the two of you. My dad is my road dog. That's my buddy right there. Not because we haven't had hard times. I mean, there was one time I wasn't even speaking to him. I don't remember what it was. I don't coach LGBT persons, and I know a lot of them want me to coach them, but I really want to get to the source of their pain, which is usually their parents. Mm. It will be easy to coach a queer person, but they might get back home and the toxicity continues. However, talking about my father, I realized that that's all he knew. It's a generational thing. That's probably what he was taught Oh, I know what it is. I know when I wasn't speaking to him, he couldn't wrap his head around the fact that I got divorced from my ex-husband. I said, Daddy, he's no longer my husband. I know we're not going to get back together. You know, it's that kind of thing. But really, in his mindset, growing up, the time he grew up, mm -hmm. Nigeria marriage is everything. You can be Michelle Obama. You can be Oprah, whoever. If you're not married in Nigeria and most African countries... Nobody wants to talk to you. So marriage is a huge deal. So when I said I was leaving my ex-husband, he didn't fight too much. He said, well, you know, I can't tell you not to do it, but I wish you weren't. He resisted it so much. I was like, daddy, for real now. And she's not my friend. She's my wife. I had to lean in and realize that he's 89. How do I want the last years to go? Do I want to be right or do I want my father, whom I love so much, and who actually accepts me? Mm -hmm. I talk about my kid. I use she, her pronouns. I told him her new name. 
because this is like in his mind it was his first grandson. He was so proud, you know, because he's a patriarchy. It's all about the man. You have three sons. Oh my God. Okay, so I said, Daddy, here's the situation. This kid is no longer this name. I ask you to please use this name and use this pronoun. And that's all she wrote. And you know what? He's okay with it. I love that guy. Always did. The base is love. Yes. Yes. In that particular piece, what I liked about it is your honesty, even though being a part of the LGBTQ plus community, you were honest about your own journey of acceptance of your daughter. Yes. There's an assumption that I've gotten in my own personal life that, oh, if you're gay, then you automatically love and accept. And it's like, no, we're all fighting against all that indoctrinization. I love that you were open about your own process. Thank you so much for affirming me for saying that. I truly had sleepless nights for multiple reasons. In America, where we live today, which I spell with three Ks, America is spelled with three Ks in my book. In America of today, the Black trans woman is a haunted, H-U-N-T, they hunt them down, and is haunted, H-A-U-N-T, by who they are. Nobody wants to give them a break. So as my child's mother, I was like, oh my God, some random person is just going to walk up to them and just... I want to kill you because I just don't like you. There was that. And then there was, oh my God, I'm Catholic. I'm Nigerian. What are people going to say? And I came back with and. Once I came back with and, I realized I had won. But it was not overnight. I want people to recognize the fact that it wasn't overnight. When I was married to my ex-wife, we would watch America's Top Model. And there's this gentleman there called Miss J. And we always said, why does he have to be so gay? We used to say things like that. And my kid was listening the entire time. In a home like that, the child is not going to feel safe to tell you who they are. I want people to know that I am not here speaking to you because I'm perfect. Mm -hmm. I still struggle with her new name because for 24 years, I called her something. Mm -hmm. The times I know that her birth names come out is usually when I'm stressed out. It's like a reflex. It just, I say it and I go, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I want parents to know that it's a journey. It is not overnight. So I want people to realize that we're so human. We need to allow ourselves to go through the process because your child is worth it. When I write my email crew, I always end with, P.S., your child is waiting. That's powerful. Thank you. They see you trying. They will cheer you on. Thank you for that. I also saw your CBS This Morning interview. You talked about that, too, especially to see a Black parent loving your child as she is. How is she today in her process of her own acceptance? I think... For the most part, we're doing better. We're both in therapy. We go individually and then we go together. I've been in therapy before because I've been suicidal before for other reasons. I recognize therapy, but even with this one, I fought it. I didn't want to do it. I was going to scratch my eyes out. I said, no, I don't want to do it. So we are in therapy. We are thriving. The future is bright. 
we're definitely at a better place. You're both committed to the process. You can't make room to learn unless you first make room to unlearn and admit that you have things to unlearn. But I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not afraid. Every time any of my kids leave the house, I always say, make sure you come back. Because I also know that I have two others who are sons. As we know today, they are Black men in America. People are looking for them and hunting them. We live in Texas. So there's always that piece at the back of my head where I'm like, just come back. Yeah. I hear your commitment to your children, and you've talked about your commitment to children in general. I saw your TED Talk titled Trauma and Children, What You Can Do to Help, because this is called Our Black Gay Diaspora Podcast. This topic of suicide or trauma, I thank you for your bravery and sharing about the traumas that can exist. And then you've opened up about some of your own experiences. Where do you get that strength and that bravery from? I think we all have it. Everybody has it. I don't think Martin Luther King's dad, when he was a child, I don't think the senior would have ever looked at Martin as a little boy and said, oh, you're going to have a dream. Things were put in place and Martin did not think himself out of each stepping stone and just kept going. So we all have it in us. The story behind the suicide is I lost a friend, a colleague, a Nigerian physician, female colleague. We went to, did our internship together. I lost her first in 2000. And that actually put me in labor with my second son. And then I lost a patient at 2008. He was 15. That was my first suicide. Then I lost another. Then I had a seven-year-old kid who tried to hang himself. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Why are kids trying to kill themselves? What's happening? I had briefly even had a practice here in Texas where I only attended to suicidal youth. And then we had to lock that and I had to shut it down. But I realized a lot of the kids were being bullied by their parents, by their friends, by the school, by their teachers, and especially by them. Like I said in that TED Talk, the voices in our heads are the loudest. We have to be careful about what we say to ourselves. You know that we will say things to ourselves that we would never, ever say to an enemy. You would never say it to a friend. So that brings me back to my self-love journal, resisting saying that. Let me tell you a true story. Mm-hmm. About 2018, my New Year resolution was to compliment women more, and I've never stopped. And then I said, well, you know what? I'm so busy complimenting women. What about complimenting myself? And so I started, I said, girl, you look good. And girl, you got this. Because my whole life, everybody's been chipping at me, telling me I can't. So I'm now doing my very best to say, you know what, girl, you can. That's why Obama's slogan, yes, we can, is so powerful. And so now I just compliment myself as well as other women. You cannot go wrong by empowering other people, but you have to first empower yourself. I don't know where I was going with that, but I just wanted to mention that that's all part of this self-love. That's the root that society has kind of tried to strip us of, especially Black women. Yeah. You know, when we started this conversation, you said some things. I hear the self-care that you have for yourself, because in the beginning, you said some things. I was like, no, she's beautiful. I love your eyes and things about you outwardly and then your spirit. But then I had to go back and say, but how do I talk to myself? 
it's a Herculean task to constantly stay in that place of self-affirmation because we've been told that that means you're, you're proud, that means you're, you know, something negative, but it's not. Somebody said that you are the only person that you are with 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You are with you. You better like you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it goes without saying that you are a healer of the world. I love that. Again, I wish I was in Texas to meet both you and Uche, but what do you do when you're not healing the world? How do you pamper yourself and relax? So I exercise a lot. I walk now. I used to teach kickboxing. I used to do yoga and all that, but I'm Pilates, but now I just walk. As a matter of fact, this morning, I woke up not wanting to do anything. And then I went on Facebook and I looked around and I saw some people saying, oh, they're struggling with going live on Facebook. I was like, wait, what? That sentence is a lie. And then I asked myself, where else am I telling lies and believing them as truth about me? And I quickly got up from the bed. Then it was raining. And I could have also said, oh, well, there you go. It's raining. No, I went and got my rain coat or whatnot, put it on. And I went out there because I know that walking always makes me feel better. Then I came back and I felt better. I was like, that's it. I'm going to take my bath, sit down on my desk and get ready for Eric and everybody else that's coming on today. So find what you like and what makes you go. The second thing that makes me go is literally going live on TikTok and just say, hi, y'all. That energizes me because I love being around people. But I have to also check myself that when I go live, is it because I'm trying to avoid an emotion and I'm using this to put a bandaid on it? Or am I going live out of the abundance of my joy and self-love? Because the energy will be different. You know, I have only life plants in my house. I have a garden that I plant every kind of thing you can think of. So that's another way. I like dancing. I love karaoke. I love jazz. I like to do Shade. I do covers. My voice is necessarily like Shade, but hey. She's my favorite singer. Oh, wow. Me too, honey. So I goes there and I have some fun. Okay. I want to hear that. (laughs) I think if you go on my TikTok, I have one where I did Sweetest Taboo, I think. And my friend's like, wow, Dr. Lulu, you really know how to have fun. I said, well, I mean, you know. What I see is an umbrella of joy and honesty. You talked about going on video when you were unwrapping your book. I was in there. I was like, open the package, open the package. I want to see what it looks like. So hearing your process, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) I was so excited. All my books, every time they arrive, opening is like, oh my God, this is me. It's like a new baby. You know, you get to see it and touch it and feel it. But the fact that this was a thought four weeks ago, it took me nine days to create this. I'm like, if I could do that, I could do anything. And that's all she wrote. I'm going to find a way to get a physical copy of it. So I'll definitely be staying in contact with you. I just want to thank you again. And I ask you if you have any final thoughts or insights. I think specifically just coming back to the parent who is hearing my voice right now, or maybe even to the queer person, but to the parent specifically, first of all. Like I said in my second TEDx talk, there are multiple reasons why your child may not invite you into their rainbow world. Your job is to radically love them regardless. 
affirm them regardless. Come up swinging as a parent ally because a lot of times you are the final frontier for them. I say this with all intents and purposes. The suicide rate amongst the LGBTQ community is not 100%. Yes, it's 42 to 47 for children aged 13 to 24 who have seriously considered suicide, and 18% of them have attempted suicide. I say that because I had a dad who told me over his dead body. I say that because I had a mom who said her child's lifestyle is the reason the child is now on the streets. They're both black, by the way. I say that because your child can still survive. Your child can still thrive. Mm. In spite of you, you need to make a decision. Do you want that? Because one day your child is going to get older and they're going to be gone. And that's it. This is why I coach parents for what do you want? If that's what you want, then fine. I'm, then I'm not your coach. I'm very selective. If you don't want to support your kid, I don't want to talk to you. But if you want to support your child and you're struggling with all of the thoughts in your head, what are people going to say? I want a grandkids. I can help you examine those sentences in your head with a big microscope. And let's see whose voice is it you're hearing. Where did those thoughts come from? Because it's not the Bible. <laughs> I always say this, this much is what Jesus said about gay people. Nothing. Okay? Nothing. <laughs> That's what Jesus said about gay people. Nothing. However, Jesus complained about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious people who went to the temple to announce how religious they were. He complained about those people. And he met the woman at the well where she was. And he told the people who wanted to stone the prostitute, he said, whichever one of you is without sin, cast the first stone. And I argue that God is absolutely queer. And my pronouns for God are they, them. Because mm -hmm. if God made me in their image, I made you in their image, God is minimum by gender. Most likely agender. Maybe non-binary. All three LGBT. I love that. It changed the way I see that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's my job, honey. You're leading the charge, walking through the forest, whacking away the weeds. That's what Oprah said. She said, you're a trailblazer. Literally said that. I'm clearing the paths. I don't know any other Black Nigerian physician, female, woman, all of that, that is doing this work. There should be more, but I'm happy to lead the pack. It doesn't mean I'm not going to hit my foot against a tree stump. It doesn't mean I'm not going to fall even sometimes. I always say those are the stories that we read. It's not the stories of, oh, everything was perfect. Everything was lovely. Because we all relate to that, that process, that journey. So thank you. You're very welcome. Where can we engage with you online? So dr-lulu.com is my website. There is a form there where you can contact me. Otherwise, my email is coach at dr-lulu.com. On social media at Dr. Lulu Talk Radio, D-R-L-U-L-U-T-A-L-K Radio is, I think, 
Twitter, YouTube. If you look up the momatrix, because that's my registered trademark. If you type in the momatrician right now, I made up that word for mom and pediatrician. You will see everything about me. I'm the only the momatrician in the world. And so if you search with that, you'll find me and my smiley face acting a fool sometimes, acting <laughs> silly sometimes, but every time telling you something that's going to challenge you and make you go, and that's my job. I love that. Coming from a place of love. Thank you so much for welcoming me into your space. I really, truly appreciate it. I had a blast. Thank you for spending time with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, comment, and subscribe. Share with your friends, too. You can also follow us on Instagram at Our Black Gay Diaspora and on Twitter at BLK Gay Diaspora. Until next time. <laughs>